Yes, I could have traveled quickly, but all men have the same ultimate destination. Whether we find our end in a hallowed sepulchre or a pauper's ditch, all save the heralds themselves must dine with the night watcher. And so, does the destination matter, or is it the path that we take? I declare that no accomplishment has substance nearly as great as the road used to achieve it. We are not creatures of destinations. It is the journey that shapes us. Our calloused feet, our backs strong from carrying the weight of our travels, our eyes opened with the fresh delight of experiences lived. In the end, I must proclaim that no good can be achieved of the false means, for the substance of our existence is not in the achievement, but in the method. The monarch must understand this. He must not become so focused on what he wishes to accomplish that he diverts his gaze from the path he must take to arrive there. Heroes of presents Stormpod, a Stormlight Archive podcast. Book one, The Way of Kings. This is just a quick spoiler warning. We are going to be covering chapter 58 in this pod, The Journey. What a great uh, chapter this is. I can't wait for you guys to hear what we talk about. Um, But if you haven't gotten this far in the reading, I would suggest going back and making sure that you're all caught up. No spoilers, please. And if you are caught up, then all I have to really say is enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Q. And, uh, you know, he could become the dueling champion if he really wanted to. Maybe someday. It's Jack. <laughs> What's up, man? Hey, how you doing? Good. How, how are, you? are you today? I'm all right. I, um, I've literally waited all book, all podcasts since we started. I've waited for this chapter oh. because we finally get to see Adeline actually duel. Yes, we do. And it is something that he uh, does like to do. He relishes in this yes. activity. Well, it's part of his mm-hmm. calling, right? It's the thing he chose mm-hmm. that he wants to do part, for part of his life. And again, we'll get to it here, but even Dalinar's like, you know, <laughs> he's like, uh, Dalinar, uh, Adeline doesn't really get to duel very often because of these codes. <laughs> like he, he, all, yeah. he notices that he's restricted them, right? That's right. These damn codes. Chapter 58. Yes. Um, the journey. What do you, th- yeah. What, what do you, what do you think? Are you, are, are you, are you a journey guy or destination guy? It's all about the journey, dude. It's all, it's about, all about the, the journey. journey. What's the quote? Just a small town girl. Um, <laughs> I'm just a small town girl. <laughs> in a lonely world. Living in a lonely world. That's it. I'm just a small town girl. That's. That's Rochard, dude. He, Cal's just that's, a Cal's that's just journey. a lonely boy. <laughs> that's Cal's, the journey. Yeah, I'm just a sure. lonely boy. Push, uh, <laughs> lifting up this lonely bridge. Okay, I'm um, living in Rochard. I am definitely all about the journey. You're a journey guy. I'm. I'm a journey. I'm a journey dude too. Yeah. What do you What do you think For about sure. this? What do you think about this philosophy of um, journey before destination? Well, I mean, I I like it. 
Um, if I were to critique it, then I would say that, you know, destination or objective still needs to be a component in, um, I guess, your life's meaning. But, hmm. but when that objective and destination doesn't happen the way you planned, it need not be a, you know, I don't know, I guess like a, you know, a world ending event for the individual, you know, like it's, it's that whole, you know, that, that, that phrase that like life, life is what happens when you're making other plans or something like that. Right. And I think that's kind of what it is. You know, what it makes me think of is, and this is such a, a random thought, but it makes me think a little bit about those moments when my kids are being really cute or they're doing something amazing and my wife mm. automatically wants to go grab her phone and take a picture of it or a video of it. But then she mm -hmm. actually misses the thing that's the happening mm -hmm. in trying to record or trying to take, uh, yep. uh, trying to capture it so that she can share it with people online. She's actually missing the thing that's I happening. Know. I know. So it's being crazy. too focused on the destination, you're actually missing the journey, you know? Well, it's funny. I, I, I went to a U2 concert in Montreal and um, a very strange thing happened at the end of this concert. And that was, and I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but the band decided to encourage the fans to jump the gates and come up on stage. Huh. And, and so they did. Like, this is Montreal, right? So. Yeah. People, people took to Bono's urgings to leap the fence and they, they went up on stage and yeah, Montreal there were a crazy, bunch of people. Dude. Yeah. What? And, and, and so soon, like the entire band was, you know, covered in fans, but so many of the fans were using their phones and trying to, you know, um, I guess, you know, you know, be, be able to have a memory, put it up on Facebook, whatever. And then mm -hmm. Bono said to a few of them, like, you, you're missing this. Right. So. Yeah, that's that's t t exactly what I'm talking about, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh it's like Adam Sam uh Sandler um using the remote to fast forward his life. He's missing the part that he's supposed to yeah. be enjoying. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um so let's talk about this death quote here. Resafir mm -hmm. or how the would you say Midnight Mother. Um Shafir? Reshafir? Reshafir. I I guess Reshafir. Reshafir, yeah, I think that's right. The Midnight Mother. Oh. Yeah. Giving, giving birth, birth to, to abominations yeah. with her essence mm -hmm. so dark, so terrible, so consuming. She is here. She watches me die. Mm. You know, this is a weird quote, man. It is weird. Yeah. Um, who knows who the Midnight Mother is, um... But giving birth to man, abominations man. with her essence so dark and so terrible. Yeah, this is creepy. I, I didn't know what to make of it. I had, didn't have any theories or anything to extrapolate. So I don't know, other than just a, a very strange death experience, as most of these really are. I mean, these, these quotes are really. Yeah. Dark eyed there, doc this worker one in his 40s. Is, father of three. It's very weird. It's very strange. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But uh, yeah, so we open with. I like uh, how this Adeline. chapter begins. I love yeah, this. I have a serious loathing of being wrong. <laughs> Don't you though? My my boy, my man, That's Adeline, the, my man, my man. 
It's so like you, sharing that with Yasna and Yasna, Yasna yeah. and Adeline. We don't like yeah, being you guys wrong. are like uh, the three musketeers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. You guys are the the real three musketeers, which is Brian Adams, Sting, and Rod Stewart. Let's be honest. Oh well, well, of course. Let's let's be honest. Let's be honest. When it's when it's all for one. And one for all, yeah. That's, and one for all. That's some cheese yeah. right there. That is some major cheese. Like, oh, you know oh, what? Spread um, it. Brian Adams wrote a song that was like multi-platinum uh, for Robin Hood. But since we're doing like kind of Robin Hood adjacent, we're doing Three Musketeers. Let's get him back in. But we're gonna triple down oh. on it. We're gonna get Rod Stewart and Sting too. <sighs> Love me some Brian Adams. It's nothing wrong with Brian Adams. It's amazing. Dude, he cuts like a knife, and it feels so right. It's. It's, it's awesome. I always kind of wanted him to elevate it and be like you know, a, a dagger or a dirk. <laughs> cuts, cuts like cuts a dirk. Like a, <laughs> cuts like a dirk. And it feels so cuts. hurt. Um, <laughs> and that doesn't work. No, it does um, not. Um, we're does we're not getting work. derailed here. So, yeah, we're getting totally... This, this, we we got to bring the episode back on the rails here, okay? Yes. So he doesn't like being wrong. He's sipping yellow wine. He is um, hanging out uh, with some not friends. Supposed to be, that's right. And I, I, I highlighted this. Uh, wind was ruffling his hair, and the wind appears several times in this chapter. So, mm-hmm. wind ruffling his hair. He sits with a group of other light eyes uh, out out on um, outdoor tables near the outdoor the outer market rather, mm-hmm. um, at a wine shop apparently. Yeah, um, and. They're having this discussion about being wrong, and I think it's it's Yakimov that says, "Well, who likes being wrong?" And Adeline says, I, "I've known a number of people who prefer it." Of course, they won't admit that, but what else could one presume from the frequency of their error? I like that quote. That's yeah. cute. You know what that reminds <laughs> so me a little bit. So basically, if you're wrong often, then you must you must like it. Really like doing you must it. Like being wrong. Yeah, because you do it often. You know who yeah. says? You know who says lines like that? It's Shalon. Shalon who? makes jokes like that, right? Because she's kind of sharp-witted, like yeah. sharp, like yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah. yeah she, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. It's something that she would have came out of her mouth for sure. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, okay. So in in Kima, who is Yakimov's companion for the afternoon, right? Um, gives a tinkling laugh. I want to bring her up because she gets really annoying as the. Um, chapter wears along here. Yeah. Um, she was a, a plump, uh, dark, sorry, uh, light eyes. Is, is she light eyes? With light yellow L- eyes. Well, yeah. Light yellow eyes. She wore a red dress, but the color did not look good on her apparently. Yeah. Um, Danlin is, is also there and this is, uh, Adeline's main squeeze and has the approval of Navani, if I remember correctly. Right. Yes. Who's that girl? Um, well, she ends up Navani and her show that? up to the um to the duel later together. Mm. Hmm. So she's there sitting, uh, keeping proper distance. Uh, though she'd occasionally touch Adeline's arm with her free hand, her wine was violet, mm-hmm. and she did enjoy her wine. So they're sitting and having this conversation. Yeah, it says that she she likes to match what she drinks with her outfit. Mm-hmm. Which is strange. Which Adeline always, yeah, which is kind of strange, yeah. They're mm. also there with two other people, one named Toral, 
mm-hmm. which is the the man, and then Ashiva, which is his uh, female companion. They make it sound mm-hmm. like these aren't their girlfriends; that these are just women that came to them to the wine house, like yeah. just kind of randomly. Well, it, well, it says companion for the afternoon. Yeah, like they're so, escorts or something. Just, like I don't, I don't I think don't they know. are. I think that they're I just girlfriends. It's yeah, a moment. This is my momentary companion. <laughs> Uh, I'll be exchanging companions after four. It's my, it's my female But from one chaperone. to three, from one to three, this is my companion. My father wouldn't allow me to come to the wine house by myself, so he sent me along with yeah. this one. <laughs> like, what's that's kind of weird, right? It is, but it's uh, it's uh, I guess it, it's well, it's 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 kind of cool. Yeah, it's this is uh, um, this is the way. <laughs> this is the way. This is the way of kings. Yeah. Um, this is the way of kings. Um, so Toril and Eshava, you, you covered that, uh, they were there and they are from High Prince Aladar's camp. Right. And they're just sort of commenting that House Colon is, uh, currently out of favor. Yeah. Um, Toril is saying wrongness can be amusing. It keeps life interesting. If we were always, uh, if, if we were all right all the time, where would that leave us? And uh, his companion pipes up, my dear, didn't you once claim to me that you were nearly always right? And Toro replies, yes. And so if everyone were like me, who would I make sport of? I dread being made so mundane by everyone else's competence. <laughs> I like that. I, I feel like, like they're line. sitting around uh, dr- um, drinking wine and like quipping musing. at each other. Yeah, you know they're musing. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like this. Adeline smiles, takes a drink of his wine. Um, he's got a duel today. Yes. Over comments that were ma- disparaging comments made about his father and, uh, I think house colon. Yeah. We found um, out later though, that this isn't a, um, an, a serious match. Um, no. no one will lose their shards if they lose. So this is just for no. bragging rights and for shutting up this guy so that he doesn't do this anymore. Hmm. Um, and then. Toral says, or no, was it Toral? Um, well, you needn't worry about me being right too often, Toral. I was sure Sadius, oh no, this is Adeline. I was sure Sadius would move against my father. It doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't he? And then Toral replies, positioning perhaps. Right. Now, that set off an alarm bell to me. Again, first time reader, don't know what's coming. The use of the word positioning to me connotes um, the game of chess. Right. Makes sense. So maybe Sadius is getting the pieces together. I haven't completely bought this story that Sadius is, is you know, is everything's cool. hunky-dory. Like right. so far, every light eyes has been a disappointment. Every right. single one. And to be honest with you, Dalinar kind of disappoints me by the end of this chapter. Hmm. To be perfectly oh, honest. Oh, because he agrees to this yeah. new bridge crew thing. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about that when we yeah. get there. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that when we get there cuz we're not let, let, we'll have to dissect exactly what the tactic is because um, I had to read it a couple times to make sure I understood it. Um but um one of the things I think when he says positioning is mm-hmm. you know, Sadius sees that all the other um high lords don't want to work with Dalinar. Correct. But Dalinar has the ear of the king his uncle right right he's he's still dalinar colon you know the the king is a colon 
So it makes sense right. for Dalinar to or Sadius to side Sadius. with Dalinar and the king for positioning. Because look, they're at the duel together later. The king, Dalinar, and Sadius, the three most powerful people all in uh, Alethkar, are hanging out together and are seen hanging out by all the other high princes. So strategically, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it does make sense to to align with them, right? But to align with them with your own agenda in mind, that's the only sort of concern that I have, you know, right. reading, reading into this. Um, yeah, I understand your concerns. I'm just trying to show so, you a, a different side of how yeah. to read that. Uh, Dan Lynn, uh, pipes up and says, now I know I'm, I'm, I know that I'm quite new to the war camps and my assessment is bound to reflect my ignorance, but... And then Adeline interrupts her and says, you always, you always say that, you know, that, um, uh, I, I always say what? And he says that, that you're ignorant. However, you're anything, but you're among the most clever women I've ever met. And she says, kind of annoyed, you shouldn't say such things when a woman is attempting humility. And he says, oh, right. Humility. I for, I forgot that that existed. Right. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. This is a really good look for Adeline here, right? Hmm. This is a really good look for her because she's like, you know, downplaying her opinion and saying, oh, I don't yep. really know much. So why should I talk? And he's like, no, no, no. Like you're a smart woman. You should, you should be able to say right. what you want. Right. It's right. a really good look totally. for Adeline here. Yeah. Um, she, she pipes up and says, um, anyway, Adeline says, I'm sorry, please continue. And she says, I was saying that I doubt Sadius would wish to start a war. Moving against your father in such an obvious way would have would have done that, wouldn't it? And Adeline says, undoubtedly. Mm -hmm. So perhaps that's why he held back, to avoid war. That's true, too. Which is uh, a good point, It's a I very thought. good comment. Um, I'm going to go with my positioning thing mm -hmm. for now. I, I don't know. I just don't. I, I just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The, the villain of the piece, I think, is yet to be revealed. I think that's it. Um, Toral says, but you have to admit, Adeline, that the Blackthorn's reputation is a little less than impressive of late. Yeah. And he says, and, and what does that mean? Oh, Adeline, Toral says, don't, don't be tiresome. You know what I'm saying, and you also know I mean no insult by it. Where's that servant woman? And he's, they're having this, I, I love their, their, their little banter here. Mm -hmm. So in, in Kima laughs as well at this exchange, and, uh, and Adeline is commenting that she's getting really annoying. So she must yeah. have a really annoying laugh. I think that what's happening is that <laughs> um, Adeline is getting annoyed by this conversation. Mm -hmm. And so his annoyance ends up getting directed at this woman because she keeps mm -hmm. doing laughs and she keeps doing this stuff that is slightly irritating. But his real annoyance is with this whole conversation, right? Because mm -hmm. he he's like snap he doesn't snap back but he like pushes back he's like my father's reputation oh, yeah. is sound mm -hmm. or have you not been paying attention to all the victories that we've been having and they're like well that's with Sadius's help he's like yeah but with Sadius's help yeah my dad my father saved the king out on the hunt saved Sadius out on the uh, on the plateau run so like. If you, if you think that something like you know that the rumors about him are true you're not paying attention. Like the Blackthorn is, is out there doing exactly what he's supposed to do. What he's supposed to do. And he's awesome. 
Um, yeah. And Toral kind of Toral kind of pipes back and says, "We can all agree that your father is a wonderful man, but you were the one who complained to us right. that you wanted him to change." Right. Right. This is so, really great. This is really well done it's by good. Sanderson. It's good. There's actually another pushback coming up that I really like. See, like, Adeline was talking like these guys in, like, part two when we met him. He -hmm. was the one who was worried about his father and, you know, is this right? And has the Blackthorn lost it and all this stuff. And now that Adeline knows more about what Dalinar is going through, he's switched. He's on the other side of things now. He's like, no, 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 he's okay. You know, mm-hmm. and that's when, uh, what's his name says, you know, you're the one who said these words to us last time. Yeah. Like we're only saying this because this, you brought it up the last time we were together. <laughs> I like this next bit there. He's looking at their shirts and he's like, my dad would not approve of your shirts. <laughs> yeah. They're too colorful. They're too silky. They're too designed. They're too thought. They're too bold. They're too this. They're too different. Yeah. And he's, and he's looking at what he has to wear. And he's like, summer uniform coat or winter uniform coat. Yeah, exactly. We get to, <laughs> we get a little bit more practical evidence of this funny. later. But um, I love that Adeline loves fashion. He's this like, you know, crown prince of Alethkar, um, potentially a yeah. dueling champion. And he's like, I sort of miss being able to design my own coats. Yeah. <laughs> Adeline had loved being able to design a look to match a given day. Yeah, I love it. It's so great. So inside, he's a he's a flashy shirt. What was that episode of? Uh, What's that episode? Seinfeld, the puffy these... shirt. Oh well, no, sorry. I was gonna go for um, yeah. So I, I was thinking, yeah, the puffy shirt's good too. But I was thinking of that episode of uh, to bring up a, I guess, a hot topic or a topic that is not easy to bring up, but on the Cosby Show. Uh, Denise Huxtable, played by the wonderful and amazing Lisa Bonet, mm-hmm. my absolute favorite. Um, she des- she designed her brother's shirt. That's right. Remember that episode? I remember and, that episode. And he had to wear this shirt, and he thought it was so awful. And then, of course, he wears it um, in you know in defense of his sister, you know, whatever. And then it turns out to be a big deal, a big hit. Oh man. So, I love uh, Theo. Love me some Theo. <laughs> oh, Theo was the best. Yeah. Out of that cast, that was the best character. Yeah, for I sure. loved him. The uh the episode yeah. with the headphones. <laughs> one of all time best episodes. It's just so um it sucks so bad to not be able to I like know. caveat it like to it. have to like look back at that and go, Oh, that's so horrible. Well we brought well we brought it up. Yeah, we brought I, it up. I know, but and 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 it's in a good light. It's still cringy though. It's still cringy. It's it's just hard. Yeah, it's just hard. Um, okay, so Adeline, uh, so the the serving maid comes over. I, I, I kind of like this. She brings over two carafes of wine, one yellow, one deep blue. And Adeline, throughout this conversation, I think Adeline's been doing a lot of thinking, and um, he holds up his hand to forestall the maid from filling his cup. Right. And this is a moment where I think he's really defending. His father is really sort of abiding by the codes, right? Yeah, because he, th- and this he is, says, "You're right. I'm not sure I want to. I'm not sure I want to see my father change. Not anymore." And Toral frowns, and he's and Toral's like, "Well, last week," and he's like, "I know." Um, it's like it's like my father only acts uh, like that when he really cares about something. Mm-hmm. It's really great 
because you're right. There's a moment here where he could have a third glass of wine and he stops her in the yeah, same he moment. Her. He's like, you know what? I don't want my father to be, to change. And, and no. that also says he doesn't want to change how he's acting currently either. Right. You know, he's the, wearing his, he's wearing his coat. Right. He's now refusing a bit of wine right. and he's refusing it, meaning he already had some. Right. But then throughout this conversation, when she goes to fill it again, he's like, you no, know what? That's no. enough. Yeah. Yeah. I no, really no. like this he's, from he, Adeline. He, 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 he's had enough of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I just want to say here, so, so, um. Danlin says, you implied that he, uh, meaning uh, Dalinar, doesn't really care about the war. No, Adeline says, just that the lives of Elikar and Sadius might be more important than killing Parshendi. Right. I really like that. Me too. Um, Adeline felt trapped with this conversation, confronting his father, his father's sanity. And by what their last conversation had established, he'd all but agreed to accept his father's decision to step down if the visions proved false. Yeah. Everyone hates being wrong, Adeline thought, except my father. He said he'd rather be wrong if it would be better for Alethkar. Which is such a kingly who, move, right? That That's like a... Who, who thinks like that? Yeah. yeah. You actually sound um, like... Per- um, like Elokar later on in the chapter when Sadius says, who talks like that? And Elokar says, well, Dalinar right. does. Dalinar who does. Who thinks yeah. like this? Dalinar. Yeah. Dalinar does. Right. And, and he says that Gavilar used to. Right. Right. Whew. Remember, I remember we said a long time ago when we first started this, that this character of Gavilar dies in like the first chapter. But yeah. that his presence looms this whole time. He's like always around. Mm-hmm. People always talk about him. I well, just, well, I we love. We have to discuss his last words, actually. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll do get that to that later. That's part of the whole thing in the, uh, the second part mm-hmm. of this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so while so, he's like in thought here, um, mm-hmm. Ishava says something and um, Adeline doesn't really hear it properly, and he he tries to get her to yeah. say it over again. Yeah. She right. says, um, perhaps, but that doesn't change all of his foolish restrictions. I wish he would step mm-hmm. down. And then Adeline's like, wait, what a minute, wait, what? What did you say? And she's like, oh, nothing, just seeing if you were attending just, the conversation. Yeah. You're attending the conversation. And then it. he gets serious. He's like, no, tell me what you were saying. Like the mood changes here a little bit, I, th- I feel. Yeah. He gets a little more serious. Toro leans forward and says, you don't think the war camps are ignoring what happens to your father during harsh storms, Adeline. Word is that he should be, he should abdicate because of it. Right. And then Adeline says, that, that'd be foolish, considering how much success he's showing in battle. Um, Danlin pipes uh, in to say, um, I do wish you could get your father to relax all of these foolish restrictions our camp is under, you and the other colon men would be able to truly join society again. Adeline says, I've tried, trust me. And now, unfortunately, I have a duel to prepare for, if you'll excuse me. Yeah. So he's he's just kind of done with this, um, I think. Yeah, he's he's the had Akamab enough says, here. Uh, yeah, he's had enough. An- another one of Sadius's sycophants to duel, he says, no, no, it's uh, Bright Lord uh, Resi. There have been some vocal provocations from Thenadel, and this might serve to shut his mouth. Mm-hmm. I'll meet you there. And uh, he kisses uh, Danlin's free hand. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. And trots uh, on down, out onto the, t- onto the street. 
He trots. Speaking of uh, a freehand, someone made a post on Facebook, I think, on mm. the Facebook page, about mm-hmm. how um, if technology existed on Roshar, it would literally just be the internet would be full of safe hand pictures. It, that's what well, that's what porn would be. Would just be exposed safe hands. <laughs> exposed safe hands. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? Oh I, god! When I read that, That's I laughed funny. so much. Um, there's a part here after he leaves that I really, really like. He, um, yeah, he wonders mm-hmm. if his friends, and we don't really know if these people are friends or if they're just acquaintances. But his friends, when he leaves, he wonders if his friends knew or could see how uncomfortable the conversation made made him feel. And made then he feel, says, yeah. "Yeah," and then he says to himself. Um, they wouldn't have noticed. They don't know him like Renarin does. Renarin would have been able to tell, but these people, these people are just, you know, hangers-ons or, or whatever. They don't know yeah. him like Renarin does. And I love this because it shows how close these brothers are that, you know, Renarin would be able to tell how Adeline is feeling just by seeing him. And Adeline knows Renarin so well that mm-hmm. he knows his brother would be able to tell. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just right, really like right. this bond between these two brothers. It's interesting, too, that he notes that he likes to be familiar with a large number of people, but not to get close to any of them. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And it kind of seems to be his approach to women. Right. Very with, much with so. With all You're right. courtships. However, it looks like he's changed a leaf on that because he says he's tired of Renard teasing him about it. And so he's looking at Danlin, I think, a little more seriously. Mm-hmm. And like I said to you a few podcasts ago, I think that when Navani gave her the seal of approval, it was like, oh yeah, it kind of. I, I think it bumped her into the category of serious. I think so. I think it allowed um, Adeline to be able to see her as a real match because um, a, um, a parental figure was giving the a okay. And so he was like, he felt mm-hmm. like he could go forward a little bit more with it now because he got his faux mother's approval, his aunt's approval. I like this when he's, uh, he, he's walking through the outer market and, uh, Toral's words are weighing on him and he's, he's, you know, commenting that he doesn't want to become high prince. Right. He's not ready. He liked dueling and chatting with his friends Leading the army was one thing, but as a high prince, he'd have to think of other things, such as the future of the war on shattered plains, protecting and advising the king. That shouldn't have to be our problem, he thought. But right. it was his father always said, if they didn't do it, then who would? Right. I, You know what it makes? So, it takes me to that moment in the battlefield, the last chapter we had with these characters, and Dalinar... Mm-hmm feels like he could go save Sadius because his son is on the battlefield and he's got such confidence in his son's abilities that um, that everything will be okay. Even if I die in trying to save Sadius, my son's got this. And right. um, it's in good so hands. even though Dalinar has all this confidence in his son, Adeline himself doesn't have that same confidence in himself, right? He's mm-hmm. still doubting himself about whether or not... what. It's not really even whether or not he can do this job. It's whether he wants to do it right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still a young man who doesn't probably want all that responsibility on his shoulders. Yeah, it's. You know? it, I like. I read. I like the. I like the use of the of characters that um, push away their their destiny. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're reluctant to take it on. Right. You know, like like Luke Skywalker. I I, I can't get involved. I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a farmer. Right. You know, and pushing it away or um, Harry you know, Potter. Uh, you know? Yeah, yeah. Harry Potter didn't want to get caught up in all. Is that. there My someone God, else that wanted... can do it? You know. Yeah, he was. He, he just wanted like he was excited to eat you know chocolate frogs and right. Like why couldn't like what like why couldn't that be his story where he could just it's, go to school and it's definitely an archetype. enjoy magic right it's yeah. definitely an archetype look at Willow you know the the reluctant hero well, well he he's the unexpected hero but right but Willow wanted to be apprentice that's true that's true he just he just lacked confidence in himself right that was which his, Adeline uh, seems but, to be lacking uh, confidence in himself as well. Yeah, he See, does. See, you just tie yeah. it right back around there. There you go. <laughs> well, we've got some wagging eyebrows coming up here, which I liked a lot. I, I, in the outer market here, many of these um, merchants are Thalens, and uh, I just <laughs> I just like the, this description with their typical caps, vests, and long wagging eyebrows. <laughs> I, well, they're uh, Thalens, I don't right? get enough wagging, wagging eyebrows, but... Um, I do like it when the Thalens make their make their presence yeah, known with these. these. You gotta uh, imagine these eyebrows, dude, being like so dude. long that they could tuck them behind their ears and stuff. Like, yeah, these are these are like, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, this puts you know, you know, what's that character? I was trying, I was trying to, uh, damn it, Kill Bill, the um, the oh, yeah. uh, um, kung, the kung fu master. The, uh, I forget, forget his name. <laughs> that guy with the. Yeah, <laughs> he would throw his goatee. His yeah, I think his. I think he had some pretty serious eyebrows going on for that film. That was such a um, good part of that movie. Oh, I know, so good. But yeah, this is a really cool part where Adeline, uh, uh, Adeline is looking about at the people at the market, and he starts realizing the importance of the codes. You know, he could tell yeah, the difference between um, Dalinar's officers and the other war camp men. Right. And and I just want to note here that when when he's going through this market, this had become a place where soldiers from all ten war camps could mingle. Right. In fact, says here that men and men and women from different war camps would meet and and like I guess have more social interaction than right in other environments. Yeah, right? it's a cool place for people to kind of meet up. Hmm. But yeah, so, he um he says that like the officers. And the men that are dressed in these like flamboyant, non-military mm-hmm. ways, um, right. looked like they only cared for the revelry. And he, you know, he says that it's uh, it's a little bit disrespectful because there's a war going on and there's people dying every day in this war. And then right. these light eyes are just walking around drunk and chatting. And like, he's like, I guess I get it. Like, I understand why my father would want me to dress this way. It's respectful to the dead and I'm always ready for battle. Right. Yeah. There's a part here I want to read to you. Um, yeah, there's a great part. Is it I? the part that's, so what was the point of the codes? Yeah. It says, maybe the codes weren't just about protecting against the Parshendi. Maybe they were about something more, about giving the men commanders they would respect and rely on, about treating the war with gravity it deserved. Maybe it was about not turning a war zone into a festival. The common men yeah, had to remain that... to on watch, vigilant. Therefore, Adelin and Dalinar did the same. I love that so much. A little earlier it says, says uh, so what was the point of the codes? Adeline's father acted as if they were vitally important. Always be in uniform, always be armed, 
always stay sober. Be ever vigilant while under threat of attack. But then his comment was, but there was no threat of attack. But wasn't there, though? So they're, they're at war, right? Well, you know, they're at war, but I think he's referring to in these moments, in the market. Right. You know what I mean? Like, the necessity to be always battle-ready is an ideal. Right. And it's that whole thing. It's, you know, pragmatism versus idealism. Right. Right. It's, but it's like, um, you know, the, this line here that he says, maybe it was about not turning a war zone into a festival. Yeah. I love that. You know, the common, that's, that's one of my favorite lines had in this. to remain on watch vigilant. <clears throat> so therefore we did <clears throat> the same. Could you imagine like officers and generals like partying it up at World War Two or World War One while all their men died in ditches and they're like having these lavish parties? Well, uh, well, I'm sure that you had to have some levity. Yeah, but the common I men mean, like, didn't, right? They slept in ditches. They so these there's people that are currently while right. Adeline is hanging out with his buddies and they're all drinking wine. Right. There are people on right. the planes, on the shattered planes, right. like scouting and holding and making sure that the Parshendi, you know what I mean? Like, so I get it. I, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it, it does. But the, the counter of it, I understand too. It's kind of like the people that are putting their lives on the line are believing that the war is keeping the kingdoms safe so that you can have that violet wine. Right. I get that too. You know? That makes sense. Why you'd have to, you know, be able to enjoy the freedom that these, um, that these sacrificed well, soldiers are providing everyone else. But I think the point here is, is the difference between light yeah. eyes and, uh, the common right. man, the dark eyes, the light eyes are partying it up while the dark guys are the ones who have to actually go out there and lose their lives for the war. Except for, except for Dalinar and his men. Except for Dalinar and all of the colon camps, right? Right. Yeah. And the, yeah, and the house colon. So talking of Dalinar, let's get back to, uh, let's get back to that. Uh, the scene change here. So the scene changes, we get to Dalinar. He says, I walked from Abamabar to Irithiru. Do you remember this? In do you remember this? Yeah. This is the In quote. this, the metaphor and experience are one, inseparable to me like my mind and memory. One contains the other, and though I can explain one to you, the other is only for me. Sadius is listening to this. Right. Um, this, um, is the, um, this is the quote that was before chapter 34. There was a, a little clip of this as the, um, as the preface, like a quote before chapter 34. And you made a joke that Mike would read this as from Alabama to Uruguay. Do you remember that? Alabama. <laughs> I do remember that. That's right. He would never yeah, so say Alabama bar. So this story, this parable that he's about to uh, recite to Sadius, we, we got a clip of that, like, you know, 10, 12 chapters ago or whatever. Chapters ago. Yeah. yeah. So that's very cool. Well, Sadius is raising an eyebrow throughout all of this, uh, these exchanges between Dalinar and his musings or teachings or expressions of the Way of Kings. Um, Elokar is also present wearing his shard plate. He's mm -hmm. there to observe the, um, the duels. Um, I like that, that it says here he's wearing a shard plate. He'd taken to that more and more, um, fearing assassins. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, We definitely know that he's, it says, uh, he's paranoid. Right. 
Um, and saying that he watched the men duel down below with uh, with great interest. So he's he's really really into the dueling, um, Elokar. And a part of me wondered that to express it like that, and it, I don't think that's the only time either. Um, that Elokar um, enjoys the battle, but not necessarily the resolution. Right. Like the resolution is, okay, where is this going? Like we've been here six years. Right. We don't even understand enough about the Parshendi. We don't really understand enough about where this assassin came from and um, who the true villain could be. Well, this is, that was, uh, you're sounding like Dalinar at the end of this chapter, right? This well, is that's what Dalinar, Dalinar right? So, but that's, but that is the reality when Dalinar presents that information to Elokar. But here Elokar is, I just kind of thought that in this description here, it seemed really cool to me that, you know, you've got, you've got Sadius listening, but raising an eyebrow, he's sipping his drinks mm-hmm. and listening to Dalinar go on and on about all this stuff. And he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you've got Elokar, the king, who's just, he's, he's on high looking down on a duel and happy to do so. And you feel like this is a metaphor for the Shattered Plains itself? The king is on yeah. high, looking down at this duel yeah. between these two people. Yeah, and he and he and he's he's interested in the duel, but not really not the in, end not of the interested war. in right. right. Hmm. That's he's really cool. Focused on, yeah. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, that that those were my thoughts on. I mean, I'm again, I'm reading into it, but so what do you think of this um, parable? We don't have to we don't have to go through word for word the whole parable. What, let, let's just no, talk no. about it. What do you, what do you think of it? No Hadan? Yeah. Um, well, I, I kind of, I, I kind of highlighted a few things. Yeah, yeah, go I, ahead. I did want to touch some, on it. Some parts that you um, want to read, go ahead. Well, Sadius says, um, this man who wrote the, this book, Dalinar, that you're on about all the time. And Dalinar says, Noadon is his holy name. Others call him Bajardin, though we're not certain whether that was actually his real name or not. And he decided to walk from where? Wasn't he a king? Yes. Well, then why would he walk? Um, and then Dalinar is reading to him and says, well, he's not reading. You'll, remember you'll, you'll see. he's reciting by memory. Oh, sorry. Yeah. He's reciting. That's right. He's, yeah. It's all memorized. Right. He says, listen, you'll, you'll see. And he says, I strode the insightful distance on my own and forbade attendance. I had no steed beyond my well-worn sandals, no companion beside a stout staff to offer conversation with its beats against my, this, against the stone. My mouth was to be my purse. I stuffed it not with gems but with song. When singing for sustenance failed me, my arms worked well for cleaning a floor or hog pen and often earned me a satisfactory reward. Um, Kings, they explained, do not walk like beggars for hundreds of miles. My response was that if a beggar could manage the feat, then why not a king? Did they think me less capable than than a beggar? That's a great line right there. I know, I love it. And then he says, sometimes I think I am. I am less than a beggar. The beggar knows much that the king can only guess. If we had to rely on what we knew, being kings, kings would only be of use in creating laws regarding the proper heating of tea hmm. and the cushioning of thrones. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And Sadius, thr- Sadius does not like this. He's yeah. frowning at this, mm-hmm. which is again indicative of his character. Right. Elokar watches keenly the duels going on. Um... 
regardless, Dalinar says, um, the way of Kings. Yeah. So, the, so this whole, this whole story, Sadius is, is not understanding the value in it mm-hmm. and is, um, pushing against Dalinar to please explain it. Um, and Dalinar is kind of surmising. He's saying, yes, I could have traveled quickly, but all men have the same ultimate destination, whether we find our end in a hallowed sepulcher or a pauper's ditch. All save the heralds themselves must dine with the night watcher. And so, does the destination matter? Or is it the path we take? I declare that no accomplishment has substance nearly as great as the road used to achieve it. We are not creatures of destinations. It is the journey that shapes us, our calloused feet, our backs strong from carrying the weight. And there's the bridge. Yeah. Carrying the weight of our travels, our eyes open with the fresh delight of experiences lived. For the substance of our existence is not in the achievement, but in the method. And that's been everything thus far between Dalinar and Sadius regarding the method with which you're fighting on the Shattered Plains. Right. So needless to say, Sadius is not, not digging the story. And then Dalinar says, well, well, what'd you think of the story? And he says, it was ridiculous. He walked all that distance just to make the point that kings should consider the consequences of their commands. And then Dalinar says, Sadius, he walked because he wanted to experience the things his people did. Right. He wanted to know what it was like to walk that far. If you don't do it, you can't know of it. Right. If you don't live it or experience it, if you don't have that journey, I really like this. There's there's a part here that um, in and amongst this, I have to point out that you know, yeah, Dalinar asks Sadius, what do you think about this story? And mm-hmm. Sadius says, it's ridiculous. And then he waves over to a serving yeah. girl for more wine. <laughs> Bring more wine. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. he says, couldn't we, uh, um, and then Dalinar says, but I think um, he really wanted to know what it was like to walk that far. And then Sadius takes another sip of wine. He squints up at the sun and he says, can't we get an awning over here? Like yeah. we're talking about roughing it from walking from one destination to another to feel what the yep. people feel like. And Sadius is like, this is ridiculous. There's too much sun on me. Can we get a, There's too can much I get sun. a parasol yeah. or an, an awning over here, Para- guys? <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Do I have to start using my umbrella and my drink here? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. He, like, where's my fangirl? Where's my girl with the big uh, feathers to fan me in this hot weather? Get me a pergola. <laughs> It's it shows uh, the contrast of what Dalinar believes and what Sadius totally. believes just absolutely. in those sentences. No, you're absolutely right. That's um, it's so true. Like he and, and again, you know, rather than take in the story, he'd rather take in a sip of wine. Right. You know, I mean, you know, diluting his senses. Like he doesn't want to think. You know, he's he's dousing. He's inebriating his um, his uh, self awareness. Yeah. Um, not that there's anything terribly, terribly wrong with that. Um, or maybe there is. <laughs> I like, uh, yeah, this is so cool. What, what a great, um, story to, and I, and I like how these two characters are still battling it out. This whole chapter is a really 
a I don't know a uh, an oscillating sort of sphere of of these ideas mm-hmm. of these concepts and it's just you know destination journey or it's right and it's wrong right. and it's what's what's proper and what's necessary what you have to do in the moment and what you should do right like it's it's a really neat uh, neat chapter and he says you've always Sadia says to uh, Dalinar, you've always uh, loved sentimental stories. And he says, you've always been emotional, Dalinar. It makes you genuine, but it can also get in the way of level-headed thinking. But as long as it continues to prompt you to save my life, I think I can live with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he says, I suppose by definition I would have to, wouldn't I? Yeah, and then he starts explaining um, to, to Dalinar what, why the other high princes don't want to work with him and what would they think of him, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, the other high princess think you're self-righteous and yeah. surely you can see why. And he's like, you, uh, and then he, you, he you says, know. I, I don't, I don't mean to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's like, but you provoke them. Take, for example, the way you refuse to rise to their arguments and insults. Protesting simply draws attention to the ish- issue, he says. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and then that's when Sadia says, so who talks like that? From what we were saying earlier, who see who right. talks like that? And then Alucard's like Dalinar does, and like you mentioned, yeah, my Dal- father Dal- used yeah, to. Dalinar does. Yeah, I love this. Yeah, protesting simply draws attention to the issue. The finest defense of character is correct action. Acquaint yourself with virtue, and you can expect proper treatment from those around you. And Thaddeus almost, <laughs> I almost imagine him like spitting out his wine, like, "What the hell are you saying? Yeah. Like, who talks like that? Yeah. Dalinar does." My father used to as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then Sadia says, uh, you know, I know the truth that you are a selfish prude, but you come by it honestly. And, mm-hmm. and then he's like, you know, uh, are you trying to, is that supposed to be a compliment too? There was this thing in this, uh, this dialogue here where, right. um, Sadius gives him the kind of like, <laughs> throws him some shade and says, that's supposed to be a compliment, throws him some more shade. That's supposed to be a compliment. Mm-hmm. And then Dalinar mm-hmm. responds here saying, is that supposed to be a compliment too? And, uh, Sadius is like, no, I'm just actually trying to annoy you. So he's, I feel like he's poking fun here, like in a kind of mm. like a, a friendly manner. Like, yes, they're they're jabbing at each other a little bit, but this lightens the mood a little bit, I think. And then uh, Alucard's like, "Society, say that was nearly clever. Oh, yeah. I should make you my new wit." Yeah. What happened to that wit? Uh, Sadius says. Alucard yeah. says he vanished. Is that so? How disappointing. He does this on occasion. He'll return eventually. Unreliable yeah. as damnation itself. That one. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So then this is when the uh, the, the duel starts. Um, da, uh, Navani mm-hmm. shows up with Danlin, like we mentioned already. And mm-hmm. Danlin's gaze is like on Navani. Dude, this guy's got it drinking, bad. Drinking in her violet dress <laughs> and her mature beauty. I know, right? Damn, I got... <laughs> Yeah. I got to say drinking in her yeah violet dress that that's that's how he does his drinking that's how he is He's, he doesn't yeah he gave it up years ago yeah he he doesn't drink by the cup but he drinks by the eyeballs he, he drinks those nice dresses He's he's an ogler an ogle an ogle drinker he, He's stuck in his room chewing on all these dresses <laughs> <laughs> Such fine stitching <laughs> Uh, um, but Navani, um, it says here that, uh, um, he mentions that Navani continues to record his most recent visions. Mm. Um, he, she doesn't seem to hate him for the time that he kicked her out like that last time when they almost got like hot and heavy and he was like, you gotta leave. 
Um, she doesn't seem to hold it against him, which is super professional. And we said this before. She's super professional. And he also said, thinks yep. to himself that he really appreciates that she never mocked him and that no. she seems to believe him when he t- tells the visions. So like he's having a vision and then he sends for her when they're done. And then he tells her everything that happened, hoping to find some discrepancies or some real life stuff in there. And she doesn't mm-hmm. seem to, she doesn't mock him or, or, or no. not believe him. She seems to believe him, which makes him feel way better about things. Yeah. Much more comfortable in, in sharing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Sadius is looking, uh, over at people coming in. He's upset at somebody coming in, Vama. High Prince Vama comes and I guess Vama, yeah, this is funny. This is, <laughs> this is Sadius complaining about Vama's clothes. Right. Remember? He's like, you were the worst dresser ever. Like red and orange and not even a crimson or, yeah. you know, some kind of off red or burnt orange. No, like a bright orange and red. Like, who are you? Yeah. Who, who, like who, who dressed you like that? this morning? Yeah. Who dresses like that on purpose? It's funny how this so militaristic funny. society is very worried about fashion. Well, c- certain certain individuals are. Right. High princes right? and light eyes, I guess, are. Yeah. High princes and light eyes appear to be very concerned. I don't remember hearing anything in, of concern from the surgeon or his wife. And <laughs> yeah. From no, other characters care. that we've met, right? I mean, I don't. They're 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 busy pulling tubers out of uh, out of puddles and uh, working with creme yeah. and making pottery and shit. So, um, Ka- Kaladin, but before we do this uh, bridge run, I I just need to put a new hem in my uh, in my uh, yeah. I don't know my my get Lopin to do it. He's a really, he's a whiz at yeah. uh, as sewing one handed. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's there is a part here that uh, we have to get to before we get to Vama, where um, Dalinar okay, yeah, thinks to himself he has so many questions. He keeps yep. rereading the Way of Kings. He's trying to figure out Gavilar's last words. Right. Um, he thinks yep. to himself that and those last meant. words could hold the key to his madness and the visions. Now, let me ask you. So, what were Gavilar's last words? What were his last? words? That was words? my question. What do you remember oh, that, there? No, I don't. I, I was I was going to go back and reread them. Okay. I looked it up. It's okay. I looked it Did up. Did you first. look it up? Okay. Okay. Yeah, so perfect. I, remember I was... that this isn't Gavilar's last words. They're Zeth's right. interpretation of the last words written down on a, a piece of driftwood. It says, right. "Brother, you must find the most important words a man can say." Right. So, like, you know, Dalinar is not obsessed but he keeps that in his mind when he's going through the way of kings trying to figure out what that means you know it's it's so it's so funny how yeah. uh, Gavilar asking Zeth to write it down has created this whole series of stuff where they think Gavilar could write and he was keeping the secret right and right like, so it's just this all really these cool, miss uh, yeah yeah, misleadings and misinterpretations. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it is cool. But yeah, you're right. Um, Vama shows up and they talk about um, the fashion sense and stuff. And uh, um, <laughs> there's a part here that I wrote down that we should read. Where is it? Dun, dun, dun. I have a part coming up I got to read. I'll tell you that. 
Hmm. Oh, this orange thing is hilarious. Dalinar Sadia says, We are high princes. We represent Alethkar. Many around the world view us as a, as a center of culture and influence. Should I not therefore have the right to encourage a proper presentation to the world? A proper presentation, yes. It's mm -hmm. right for us to be fit and neat. It would be nice if your soldiers would dress properly, though. That's the part. Um, that's the part that I wanted to read was is that little italics oh, really? part where it would be nice if your so soldiers, for instance, kept their uniforms clean. Kept their uniforms clean. Yeah, yeah. that's the part. Fit, neat, and fashionable, Sadius says. And me, Dalinar uh, says, looking down at the simple uniform, would you have me dress in those ruffles and bright colors? And he says, you? You're completely hopeless, Charlie Brown. Completely <laughs> hopeless. This. <laughs> so the line is the line is you're completely hopeless, and I just was like, oh my god, Charlie Dalinar Brown. is Charlie Brown oh to Sadius. Like when Sadius looks at, when Sadius thinks of Dalinar, yeah. he's it like it's it's Charlie Brown as a shard bear. for sure. It's totally yeah. <laughs> Kaladin is pig pen. <laughs> he's always dirty. No. Kaladin's not pig pen. Well, he's always Kaladin's dirty. Be... He's like in the, the bridge cruise. He's always dirty. Oh, Kaladin. Oh, sorry. It's Kaladin. I thought you meant it's uh, Adeline. Sorry. Uh, uh, no, yeah, Adeline yeah, Kaladin, like, uh, I guess, could be pig. pig Adeline's pen. the um, the blonde-haired kid. Oh, uh, Linus? <laughs> Linus, or, uh, yeah, Schroeder. yeah. Well, Schroeder. Who would be Schroeder, the, the, the musician? Uh, it would be Wit, <laughs> of course. Wit. Because he's Wit like the bard, Schroeder, right? Yeah. yeah, there's the bard. Um, um, you're completely... <laughs> Hopeless. Um, Vama tries to play, but does so very poorly, and that's unforgivable. I love that line. Sadius saying about Vama, yeah. the way he dresses and not enjoying it. He says, if in a way you avoid the issue of fashion by not playing the game, but the way that Vama plays the game is so bad yeah. that it's un it's unforgivable. Yeah, he tells he tells Dalinar that his uh, uniform is timeless because a military cut uniform is always going to look okay because it's got this like mm. timeless feel to it right so right. he's completely taken out of fashion because he always wears this military cut yeah and he does agree that it's that it's timeless it's it's like wearing a tux it's yeah like, it's just you know it's, it's always going to look like, good yeah it's, it's not the hip new blue suit with the thin tie yeah no it's it's i'm wearing a tux this is yeah. it you this can't go school. wrong with the tux but, yeah but adel uh dalinar does say this he says uh um, I will say that you place too much importance on those silks and scarves. We are soldiers at war, not, um, not couriers at a ball or sorry, courtiers at a ball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. So he says, this is a good part from Sadius here. He says the shattered planes are quickly becoming a destination for foreign dignitaries. It is important to present ourselves properly. If I am mm -hmm. to accept your moral superiority, my friend, then perhaps it is time mm -hmm. for you to accept my sense of fashion. One might note that you judge people by their clothing even more than I do. And there it is. There's the other rub that, I that makes a lot of sense. Totally. It's the yeah. pushback of this chapter that I love so much. Right. I love it. I, I love the way that Adeline was getting the pushback from the conversation with his, with his, you know, loose friends right. uh, in the in the in the market and I love the way Sadius pushes back here on Dalinar. Yeah. It's a very good point. Yes. You are judging everyone else for right. what they're wearing, yet you're bringing up like my right I guess my taste or sensibilities as and, being and, a failing, yeah. <laughs> it seems that you're you might even be more obsessed about what people wear than 
than than myself. Yeah, I made a note here that Dalinar does not like this comment because there's so much truth to it. <laughs> he, he's like totally. God yeah. damn it, Sadius. The comment stung. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah, this. this uh, I like this cool. showing from Sadius here. It's very very clever of him to mm-hmm. um, to flip it on on uh, Dalinar a little bit. Adelin steps into the ring, so to speak, out onto the sand, wearing his deep blue shard plate, his blonde and black hair, a stylish mess, which mm-hmm. I like the way that was described. Yeah. Bright Lord Ressi comes out, a full shard bear representing High Prince Thanadel's army. Thanadel himself had neither a shard plate, and in fact, in Thanadel's own princedom, the tradition for centuries had been to appoint the holder of Ressi's shards as something known as the Royal Defender. Right. So... I guess some of these high princes, they don't always have to be shard bearers. They'll have their champions that will have earned right. um, the right shards and to wear the, those shards. Yeah. Right. Right. But they won't be a, a high prince. Right. Um, so the duel is about to begin, which is very cool. Thanadol himself is not attending. He's not even there. Um, nope. But the high judge is there and her name is Lady... Isto, and she's calling for the combatants to summon their blades. I do like this point and here Elokar where they say leans that forward. The, the reason why the codes don't like the duels is that a lot of the times it's officers, light officers who are dueling and right. someone could be injured during one of these duels and then that would leave the right. army with one less commander to be on the battlefield. Right. So it doesn't make sense to do like, it because you're... Yeah. yeah, the effectiveness of the army could be hindered by this this duel, right? Right. Yeah, according to the codes, most duels should be avoided. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the actual yeah. let's uh, let's not go through this duel uh, too too lengthy no. here. Stone stance, yeah. wind stance yeah. against wind stance. This was kind of cool. Yeah, the winner. There are a few exchanges that are that are really really um, interesting. Mm-hmm. The winner is the person um, who shatters one section of the other's plate. So, like, remember right. a while back we read that chapter where Dalinar got fully dressed and it explained all these different sections that had to be put on? So if one of those sections, like a quiss or a, a pauldron or, like, a like any one of those places that gets shattered, the the match is over. That's that's the match, yeah. yeah. I like that Elokar says, he's quite good, you know, speaking about Adeline. Better yeah. than my father was. Better than even you, uncle. Right. He works very hard, Dalinar says. He truly loves it. Not the war, the fighting, the dueling. Yeah. He could be champion if he wished it. And uh, Adeline did want it. But, but he was holding back. Um, He's holding back to adhere to the codes. Yeah. Like he never went all the way in terms of the notoriety of the duels because it would go against what his father has taught him. Right. And he also doesn't duel for rankings, which right. plays a specific game in this dueling thing because then people underestimate how good he is because he's not how high good in he the is rankings. As a fighter. Right. 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 So they go into fights with him not realizing how good he really is. Mhm. I love here there's a there's a moment in the fight where Adeline changes from defensive to offensive and then he's just it's like he's playing with this guy you know this other <laughs> shard bearer yeah. is supposed to be you know uh, uh, um, a worthy opponent and Adeline is just mm-hmm. literally just toying with him yeah I mean the the fight I have to admit it it seemed to be completely in the control of Adeline it, uh, it was yeah um, after um after a piece is uh, after the broken plates uh, are damaged, 
from uh, Adeline. The high judge stands and calls an end to the duel. And uh, his opponent, Ressi, is stumbling away and cursing uh, in just going off. And Adeline salutes his enemy, uh, tapping the blunt edge of the, of the blade to his forehead and dismissing the blade. And then he bows to the king. Like, like, I like how proper he is, and then the other guy's just cursing. Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. He's very, very, um, very respectful in the ring. Well, this is what he yeah. does, right? I love this right. little point here where the Ressi's leg, um, can't actually hold up the rest of the armor because the qu- uh, the quiss or the leg plate has been shattered. So he, his, just his regular leg muscle isn't strong enough to hold up the rest of the armor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> it weighs that. so much. Yeah, yeah, and the armor is actually giving him the strength to hold the rest of it up. So when you take that yeah. piece away, he loses that strength. It's really cool. Right. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, talented indeed, Alucard remarks. Yeah. And this is where it starts to get a little dicey here. It gets a little serious yeah. here because, yeah, so Alucard is commenting, um, Yet you continue to dance around it, uh, Uncle, in terms of the conversation about abandoning the war. We get, Hold on, because Jack. We, at, we get here, we get to that point because Dalinar says he wishes that there was peace so that Adeline, Adeline couldn't duel Could dedicate freely. himself right. to dueling, yeah. And then that's exactly. when he's like, oh, are you talking about, you know, abandoning the, the vengeance pack again? That's uh, uh, Sadius. Right. People in the camps are calling you a coward, and Sadius says, he's no coward, your majesty, I can attest to that. Right. Well, then, well, then why then? And, and, and why are you not answering my, my questions, Dalinar? And Dalinar is hesitating. Yeah. And then he thinks, unite them, the voice that told him. It is your task, and I give it to you. Am I a coward, he wondered. Noadon challenged him in the book to examine himself, to never become so certain or high that he wasn't willing to seek truth. Yeah. I like that. Me too. Before he answers... He makes, this is the moment he finally makes that final decision that he's not going to abdicate. Right. Right. You know, he, um, he's like, says something. I have to see it through. Nothing was clear about what was about to happen to him. And it seemed that in making the decision to remain high prince, he had placed one important cornerstone into the rebuilding foundation of who he was. So he like, you know, he takes a second and thinks about it. He's like, you know what? That's it. He even says that he even thinks it here. He would not abdicate. And that was that. So no matter what happens, he's like, I'm in yeah. this for the long haul now. I'm going to see this through. And so so at the pressings of Al- Alucard, like, are you, like, would you abandon this war? Are you a coward? Well, like, can you answer this question? Yeah. And it finally he says, you want to know the truth? Yes. If I could make the order, I would. I'd take all 10 armies and return to Alucard. Yeah. And the king looks shocked. Yeah. And Dalinar says, I would leave. But not because I wish to flee or because I fear the battle. It would be because I fear for Alethkar's stability. Leaving this war would help secure our homeland and the loyalty of the High Princes. I would send more envoys and scholars to find out why the Prashendi killed Gavilar. We gave, on, we gave up on that too easily. Mm-hmm. And I still wonder if the assassination was initiated by miscreants or rebels among their own people. And then he goes on. This whole paragraph is amazing. I'd discover what their culture is, and yes, they do have one. If rebels weren't the cause of the assassination, I'd keep asking until I learned why they did it. I'd demand restitution, or perhaps their own king, delivered to us for execution in turn, or in exchange for granting them peace. As for the gem hearts, I'd speak with my scientists and discover a better method of holding the territory. 
Perhaps with mass homesteading of the area, securing of the unclaimed hills, we could truly expand our borders and claim the shattered plains. I wouldn't abandon vengeance, Your Majesty, but I would approach it and our war here more thoughtfully right now. We know too little to be effective. Like, yeah. He makes a great bloody argument yeah, he does. here. I did, that's why I had to highlight that whole chapter. I'm like, wow, that was amazing. Right? Alucard's well, like, yeah. that actually makes sense. Why did right. you say like this before? And he, and and then I think the way the text is there is that uh, after that is that Adeline was like, well, every time, or Delinar. Uh, Delinar is like, every time I try to breach this subject with you, your majesty, right. I'd get shut down. Right. Um, dismissed, right? Um, yeah, this is amazing. Um, however, I feel like, um, I have a theory. Okay. And I'm going to share it in a minute. Um, have you made any progress in determining, uh, who put the weakened gems in my plate? Not yet, your majesty. Alucar insists they are trying to kill me. The assassin in white, he was Shin, right? The Parshendi took responsibility for sending him, Sadius says. Um... We, uh, we go to war for years and years, never noticing the real villains, working quietly in my own camp. They watch me, always waiting to... S- uh, I see their faces in mirrors, symbols, twisted, inhuman. He's seeing what Yasna was seeing, right? Not Yasna. Oh, Shalon, sorry. Shalon. Right? Am I right? I mean, do you think you're right? Well... It it must be so. I mean, that's that's what he's saying. He's saying the Parshendi took responsibility for sending him, Sadia says. Yes, Elokar replied, and yet they are savages and easily manipulated. It would be a perfect distraction pinning the blame on a group of Parshmen. So we go to war for years and years, never noticing the real villains working quietly in my own camp. They watch me, always waiting. I see their faces in mirrors, symbols, twisted, inhuman. The symbols, it's got to be. It's a very, very good description of what Shalon saw. Yeah. And they're, and they're haunting, they're haunting the king. This is crazy. Retreating from the Shattered Plains could be a good idea, Dalinar says carefully, but not uh, if it is to begin another war with someone else. We must stabilize and unify our people. Um... Chasing the assassin, Elokar is saying, he's sighing. Chasing the assassin is only an idle thought right now. Perhaps we don't need it. I hear that your efforts with Sadius have been fruitful. Yeah. They so have. This is what we were uh, going to be talking about earlier. About right. the, uh, the tactics. Mm-hmm. And then this, this is the part that I, okay. So personally, I think there's another duel going on here. Between Sadius and Dalinar? Yeah. I do. Mm-hmm. I think that the duel of this chapter is really Dalinar and Sadius, and Elokar once again gets to watch. Right. Um. So what they're what they're getting at here is the accomplishments, the the success of Dalinar mm-hmm. and Sadius's approach. However, they are talking about making it uh, better, and there's a disagreement here on how to do that. Um, though Dalinar still insists on using his own slow bridges. Right. Sometimes my forces are nearly wiped out before he arrives. This would work better if Dalinar would use modern bridge tactics, right. which of course are the is what Kaladin, is, right. Kaladin has been suffering with. Right. right. Uh, the waste of life is acceptable, Sadius says. Right. And it's not acceptable They're to mo- Dalinar. No. Well, 
Or so I thought. Well, so there's a compromise here. Let's talk about tactically what this compromise is. So Elkar says, listen, he's the only one in the war camps that was willing to ally with you on these joint uh, plateau runs. Right. So you have to hear right. him out here. Okay, so let's compromise. Right. And um, yep. Elokar actually comes up with a really good plan here. He suggests, why, well, why don't not a compromise? Use, yeah. Why don't you use mm-hmm. his br- bridge crews to get to the contested plateau? And right. if you're not, and they agree that if we're not there first, then we'll abandon you could it. retreat. Yeah. Right. So they're going to use the faster bridge crews to get there faster all together. And then when it comes to that final volley that we've seen Bridge 4 go through so many times, yeah, if so the Parshendi are there ready with bows, Dalinar is not going to be willing to sacrifice soldiers or men, even bridge crews, to get to that other plateau. But right. if they can get there really fast with these bridges, then they can get onto the plateau before the archers can actually fire their arrows and kill people. And he says the other exception is if we can distract them enough to get across, which means right. um, which means shard bearers most likely leaping the the plateau, like we know Dalinar loves that tactic, leaping yep. the plateau yep. uh, to the plateau, and then um, creating a, enough of a distraction to get those uh, get the army across. So I don't think it's actually that bad of a compromise because there's no no. Um, there's there's no uh, um, loss of life or potential loss of life here on the approach. Right. Dalinar says, though, that that would be the same as using my own bridge crews. Right. He does mention that. But he says, uh, Elkar's like, not necessarily. Then, You've said yeah, that I the know. Parshendi can rarely set up and fire on you once Sadius engages them. Sadius's men can start the assault as usual, and you can join once he's secured a foothold for you. Yes, Sadia says, the bridgemen you use will be safe. You won't be costing any additional lives. So it won't be costing any of right. Dalinar's men's lives. But right. the bridge crews that we know, the bridge, bridge crews still the suffer, are still yeah. at risk. Right? Right. And but if Dalinar at the plateau goes... to help me twice qu- as quickly. So hopefully by Dalinar being there and because the problem is, is Sadius gets on the plateau right yeah. and then he has to fight until dalinar gets there until dalinar gets there yeah right so hopefully they breach sadius goes first and then dalinar uses the bridges that are already in place put there by bridge four and those like them to go across to be able to fight right away so my only my only reservation in this is that you know dalinar is an idealistic character and right this is a compromise regardless of the potential for, I guess, you know, a lower death count. But if, if Dalinar goes across that bridge with his men, mm-hmm. it's like he's, he's advocating for the treatment of those men. You're right. You're totally right. And, and that I think is still not Dalinar. I guess the, the way so, you have to look so we'll at see. it is that, I'll have to see, um, is that those men, those bridgemen are going to be used regardless. I the know. men that are being saved of death are Dalinar's bridge right. crews because they're not right. going to be needed. Right. Right. 
but I agree it's still a little bit shitty. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's a trade-off. It it's it's interesting. It's it's just I I'm just I'm <laughs> I'm highly suspicious um because I I I don't quite believe that Sadius is an innocuous ben, a benevolent character. I'm not totally there yet. Yeah. Um my guard is still up and and I just kind of thought the way the chapter was constructed, I thought that these two characters now were dueling it and it looked like with the help of Elicar's logic as well, Elicar's uh, arguments, the the shattering blow was this compromise to Dalinar right. to uh, so to abdicate to try a, a different method so that I mean you're it's it's Sadius reaching out his hand saying, Come along with me. Right. Right? Like I I again, totally yeah, I agree know. with what you're well, saying. You're not wrong. Yeah. You're absolutely not wrong. It's definitely um, slightly shitty of Dalinar to refuse using he he should be going the other side and saying, Sadius, you're not allowed to waste those lives either. But right. Dalinar doesn't have any footing to be able to tell No. No, he can't Sadius tell High Prince what, what to, do. to do. I get it. No. I get it. If he was High <laughs> Prince of War like he wanted earlier in the book, right. remember he wanted that? Then he, then he could say right. something. But he doesn't have the right. authority to tell him how to run his own bridge, right? Right. So, the la- if, if the last chapter is anything that I can read into to give me more hope, I guess for Sadius, it's this this last uh, little paragraph. Mm-hmm. Dalinar looked back at the other high prince. Sadius's scarf fluttered in a gust of wind. His arms folded, the metallic golden embroidery glistening. Send me one of your clerks as well Sadius is saying to Dalinar with a copy of that book of Gavilar's it may amuse me to hear its other stories Dalinar smiles I will do so Sadius mm-hmm. that's how the chapter ends and if I am to read into that the wind is on Sadius if that's a, a blessing or a indication that that character is good I don't know if it's a you know a kiss of of approval and then of course him you know uh also like okay uh, dalinar you're you're willing to do battle this way with me mm-hmm. okay i'll i'll read a few more of those stories yeah it's cool it's cool it's cool i hope that that's the way it is we'll see i just again i've just been after that's the amaram incident <laughs> that's just the way it is. so what's your highlight dude? after after the amaram it's a pretty well, big the highlight for me jeez yeah what's your highlight Highlights got to be the wagging eyebrows. I mean, the eyebrows are of utmost importance, um, visually, um, econ- economically, aesthetically, um, ecumenically. <laughs> um, so, wagging eyebrows is your highlight. Wagging eyebrows? No, um, I think it's 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 the theming that I liked with the journey. Um, oh, did I get an alternate title? I don't think I did. I don't think I did for this chapter. <laughs> My highlight Hello. is a very simple one. I really like yeah. how impressed King Elokar is with Adeline's dueling. They're cousins. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't see a lot of interaction between them in this book. Um, right. He's quite but good. But I like you know. how yeah, he's like, cool. man, he's really good. Like... 
You know, yeah, he's almost yeah. an Adeline fanboy because he loves dueling so much. He's just like, man, I love that guy. And he's my cousin. And he's my cousin. Yeah, that is that is that is pretty cool. I like the I like the uh, the pushback. Yeah. Of the journey versus destination. I, I almost think the chapter could have done well with the contrast to the statement, like the journey and then the destination. Right. Um, because I feel that the chapter, it, needed, it it doesn't really seal the deal on either interpretation for me anyways, as a reader. Right. I really see both sides. I mean, I definitely lean more towards Dalinar's position. Hmm. Um, but only, only slightly so, you know, like, I mean, I, idealism is a, is a very, it's a very interesting, I guess, component for, um, or what would you call it? A, um, a striving sort of condition, um, for humanity. So when we're reading about things like this, it's, um, yeah, it's it's a really fascinating conversation. Although I would say that maybe my absolute highlight is the you're you're completely hopeless, Charlie Brown. Like your your outfits, yeah, you're hopeless. So maybe I'll leave it on the Charlie Brown yeah, be great. my highlight and leave it at that. That's cool. I um I have a little <laughs> section here, um popular section amongst the um the Sprintheads known as Info Dump. Um we get uh, we get all kinds of requests from the listeners. More info dump. No, actually we we don't we don't get any requests <laughs> about the info dump at all. Um, can I get some more dump with that info? Can I get some dump? Um <laughs> so the outer markets are a section of the war camps that don't belong to any one high prince. Um, they're made up of right. mostly Thalen merchants. And like you said earlier, it's a, um, it's a, it's main function is to provide a place where f- people from all war camps can meet, which is kind of cute. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Mm-hmm. It is cool. It's like a neutral territory or something. Um, yeah. we hear about, we've heard about wind stance and smoke stance, but we get stone stance in this, uh, chapter, which focuses on mm-hmm. more strong, powerful attacks, um, delivering right. the most momentum and strength behind each strike, which is not necessarily needed when using right. a shard blade. Given. Right. right. I like that right. analysis coming from, from Dalinar. Dalinar always thought yeah, that's that great. Stone, stone stance was, uh, you know, uh, superfluous. It might be great against the Parshendi or if you're fighting well, a white spine or like a chasm. I think, I think what they, I think what it says in the text is that it's good for fighting other shard blades. Right. Right. Which is kind of, you know, yeah. not the point. Against the point. It, it's, yeah. it's a little stinky. Um, one of the cool things here is that the king's own shards, blade and plate, were available to someone who wanted to duel another shard bearer. So if there was someone mm. who wanted to fight another shard bearer, they could request from the king to use his shard plate and shard blade to do so. It's an old tradition that cool. uh, doesn't really get used, but it is available to someone. So that's kind of cool. And that's all I got for the info dump, info dump, info dump. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. I like that, that chapter. That was a good info dump. Hey. That was, that was oh, a good a info, good dump, info dump, too. Dump. 
Yeah. So um, first, before we end the episode, I want to just give a shout out to all of our patrons. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually have yes. a collection of patrons, which we is amazing. We love our patrons. We uh, What's like that, to sir? thank uh, Phil and Mike. Obviously, always thank Phil and Mike because they were been with us since the beginning. I'd like to thank Linda. Uh, we'd like to thank uh, Mr. Mar- uh, Marasami, which is uh, Casey from Oregon. We want to thank uh, Mr. Chris Papineau, which is uh, an ex-colleague of mine who uh, just absolutely <laughs> loves. Dude, you know what he did this week? He texts me yeah. on Monday and he goes, hey, uh, w- I think you forgot to allow early access because normally I do early access on Sundays. And he's like, oh, hey, yeah. uh, are you going to do early access this week? Because I'm like jonesing to hear you guys. <laughs> I'm like, that's so awesome. <laughs> he like literally that's reached great. out to get the early access. Cool. So. Um, nice. And then our newest nice. patron, which is Don. Th- uh, thanks for joining the team, Don. Um, we really appreciate your uh, your patronage. Just making Very things cool. so cool. Yeah, it's thank you, Don. It's awesome. If you want to be one of those people that we love so much, and you want to have your name sit on our on our episodes, you can go to patreon.com slash heroes of and support the show. If you want to sh- support the show indirectly, you can always um, rate and review where you can and just tell a friend by word of mouth. You can uh, reach out to us at heroesofhakathra at gmail.com and send us an email or hit us up on Twitter at heroes of one, heroes of Hecathra at Instagram or uh, you know, just uh, come over to our houses and knock on our doors and just ask us questions. You could always do that too. Come on, knock on our door. Come on, knock on our. Oh, we, you know what? <laughs> we'll we be break so you. many copyright laws in each episode. It's just ridiculous. We're gonna get sued, man. If this thing takes off, we're gonna get we're, sued. We're sued. We are so sued. <laughs> sued All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. StormPod is brought to you by Heroes Of. Theme song by Jack Forrest Productions. Additional music by Jason Moray. Produced by Jack, J, Phil, Mike, and Sean. The Heroes of Hakathra. <laughs>